I'ma give it about a minute what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Freestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Ting, and I'm so excited to introduce today's guest to you guys. You might know her as the TikTok gymnastics girl, but that barely even scratches the surface of what she does and what she's accomplished so far. She is Elena Shinohara, and she is a four-time United States Rhythmic Gymnastics National Team member, the 2019 and 2021 Sportsperson of the Year. She is a gymnastics coach, and she's also a content creator across all major platforms, all while being a full-time student. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show, Elena. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. That was a great introduction. You just took, like, checked off all the lists. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I did, did a little research before, you know. <laughs> I see, I see. But before we dive specifically into your story, I want people to understand what rhythmic gymnastics is because when someone says gymnastics, typically our minds go straight into uh, flips, bars, beams, rings. Could you really quickly explain how, or yeah, how rhythmic, rhythmic gymnastics <laughs> is different uh, and what it really consists of? Mm-hmm. So rhythmic gymnastics is another type of gymnastics separate from what you guys usually know as artistic gymnastics. So rhythmic gymnastics, we usually are on the floor and we have a routine that's up to a minute and 30 seconds. And we usually have equipment such as hoops, balls, clubs, ribbon, and sometimes rope, but recently not that much. But those are like our main equipments that we use. And I don't know, maybe you guys have seen it on the Olympics or on TV or maybe some of my TikToks where I have like a ribbon. Usually the ribbon's like what everybody loves to see because it's very aesthetically pleasing and really like fun, I guess, really elegant. So we do more of flexibility types of things, jumps, we toss around the equipment. It's like a little circus and then doing turns and doing like balances. And I think It's like a mix of ballet and dance and a little bit of artistic gymnastics. The only thing that we can't do, which is really interesting, even though it's called gymnastics, is like flips off the floor. So we can't do aerials. We can't do backflips. Somehow we can't do back handsprings. I don't know why it's weird, but anything that's off the floor, we can't do unless it's like a jump. So yeah, that's like sums up rhythmic gymnastics as a whole I guess so is that regulation that you can't do flips yeah so we get actually like deductions or some of our difficulties don't get valid so yeah we're just not allowed to do any flips so even though I can do a bunch of like things called back walkovers where or front walkovers where your hands are actually on the floor I can't do any like front flip back flips I want to learn but yeah I can't do any of that (laughs) I see you learning in your TikToks or at least surrounding yourself with the people that that do that. I try to. Trampolines work because it gives you that little spring. (laughs) I can't. I I get too scared. I can do an aerial. That's it. (laughs) I don't even know what an aerial is. So you're going to have to like show me at some point later down down the line. Um, But you started rhythmic gymnastics at an extremely young age. How did you sort of get into it and when 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 was the moment where you decided like this is what you wanted to pursue and like this is like this is me when you started taking ownership of it yeah so that's a great question so actually I like to say I kind of started getting interested when I was like zero years old because my mom (laughs) was actually in the national team in Japan for rhythmic gymnastics and 
because I'm a baby and, you know, my bones aren't like super developed yet, I guess my mom will like bend me in half and play around with me. And she's like, oh my God, look to my dad. She was like, oh my God, look, she's so flexible. He's like, stop, (laughs) you're killing the baby. But apparently I was really flexible as a kid with my back. And as I got older, I would always have like a hoop around our house in the living room. And my mom would do a little like routines, little dances with the hoop. And I was like, I want to join. So I would like join with her and just play around. So it was just only playing around up to like when I was six years old. I used to live in Colorado at the time. So back then I would just be like, mom, I want to do what you did. Uh, let's just like do it with our friends. So I had some, a couple of friends that were also Japanese and Japanese American, and they were also interested. So we just like kind of hung out, had mini classes with my mom, but it was just for like shows and just fun. <laughs> and then I moved to Georgia when I was six years old and I was like, mom, I actually want to do like competing. So she kind of looked up places around my area And then we found a gym that does rhythmic gymnastics. I think at the time it was like the only club that did gymnastics in Georgia, rhythmic gymnastics in Georgia. So from there, I was actually the youngest out of like everyone in the team. And the coach at that club was like, yo, Elena, do you want to just do it for fun? Or do you want to like actually compete and like become a like pro gymnast? Like which road do you want to choose at the age of six? Which is quite interesting. But I was like, I want to compete. I want to like, I don't know, get better and better. I don't want to just do it for fun. I just want to like compete and go hardcore with rhythmic gymnastics. And my mom warned me. She's like, you're not going to be able to play with your friends. You're not going to be able to like go to like school events. I'm like, it's okay. I just like rhythmic gymnastics. So I'm just going to do it. She was like, okay. So I, yeah, I just like started when I was six years old, like full on with that new coach and also my mom at home. Yeah. That is crazy. Long story. <laughs> that at six years old, you yeah. took something that you were interested in and said, yeah let's compete and let's compete at an extremely high level as you started getting into it too Mm -hmm. that's yeah I'm still surprised I said that as a kid like my mom reminds me she's like Elena you were the one that chose this I was like I did (laughs) apparently I did (laughs) because I was actually going to ask whether or not your mom had influence in it because I knew she was a previous gymnastics uh, national team member for Japan um and like normally when it comes to kids taking on parents uh hobbies or even businesses or careers uh it's usually based on some influence from the parent but you just said no like this I'm interested in it and now I'm going to compete yeah I actually like when I was like four years old I tried ice skating well figure skating and artistic gymnastics First one I tried was artistic gymnastics and it was like a little like trial where like little kids can go with their parents. So I went on the beam and I was like, no, <laughs> I started crying with my mom. I don't like this. Apparently I was like, this isn't elegant. I don't know. As a four-year-old, I have no idea. That's what my mom said. And then I also tried ice skating, but then I was like, oh, my feet hurt and it's too cold. I complain a lot. So I had many complaints about a lot of these sports, <laughs> but for rhythmic, I somehow did like had no complaints. So I love that this was all between the ages of four and six. I know. Like between four and six, that was like I put on roller skates and I started playing roller hockey, but I never really knew where I was going with it. 
because I played to win, of course, even from a really young age, because we had leagues and I knew the difference between winning and losing, but I never had a point in time where I had to make a decision of whether or not I would play for just fun or play to compete. I never really had that. So I didn't really, I think from a young age, I never really made a distinction between the two. Um, but I think for you, that decision that you made at six years old is so important for what was to come afterwards, the state competitions, national, international competitions, because that's what you were looking directly at from that young of an age. Um, do you think you, there was any influence to how you, how your competitive nature came about, especially when we're talking about you being at four to six years old? That's a good question. I feel like I was just competitive as a child. Just, I always wanted to win games. I always wanted to like beat my parents in board games or like any like Uno or something. I was like, I got always upset when I lost. We would play like the game of life or something every year, like in the New Year's to be like, oh, this is our year. And if I lost, I'll be like, no, 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 redo, redo <laughs> one more time. I don't know. Maybe it's also like ingrained from like my parents because my mom was also a gymnast and she always liked to win. That's an interesting question, but I just think it's just the way I was born. Brought up, probably. Brought up, yeah. maybe. I don't know. So how does having parents who are both extremely high performance achievers, whether it's in sports or in academics, how does that affect you as you're growing up? And how does that kind of translate over into competition? Take me through you as a six-year-old getting into state-level and national-level competitions. Yeah, so my parents are both very high-level in what they do. So my mom, obviously, national team in Japan for rhythmic gymnastics. And then my dad is actually a professor, and he has, like, a PhD in something that I don't know. But <laughs> he's, like, it's, like, both sports and academic level. So, like, since I was a little kid, they were always, like, stressed like to do my best in like both of them so I feel like as a kid it's just like natural for me to like do my best in anything I try to do to get like to reap the results basically but yeah through six years old for competition I I always wanted to do like a good routine like a clean routine as we say in gymnastics where it's like no drops, no big deductions. So I would actually go to training, but then also work at home with my mom since she's also a coach. And then we'd also like rent out a little gym that was like separate from my club to like practice a little bit more like on the weekends, usually Sundays. And also we would go to Georgia Tech, which is where my dad works at. And we were able to like go into the campus recreation center and do some like training there too so I just like every single little time I had like let's say like a six-year-old kid would hang out with their friends go to the playground I would not be able to go to the playground or go to ice cream parties and I would go straight to the gym or back in my living room and work with my mom <laughs> so that's just like been like my daily thing since I was like six which like helped me I guess to be able to get better and better every year and so growing up with that kind of practice schedule where you're unable to go to the playground and hang out with your friends or go out to ice cream parties or do what really other kids are doing 
Uh, what were your thoughts as you were growing up? And did any of this have an impact on you mentally? Honestly, as a kid, I didn't really think of play. I, I thought that going to practice was way more fun than hanging out with friends. Like I was like, oh, we're just like, if I hang out with my friends, like it's good to be with my friends, but we're all just like dilly dallying, laughing, blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, at practice, I'm like doing something to reach a goal. So it felt more satisfying for me. But then like, obviously in elementary school, that's like the only life that I know. So I just like consistently like, oh, I don't really care too much. But then like, you know, as you get older and like everyone's like hanging out, there's like, I don't know, parties and stuff. I did kind of get that feeling of, oh, I wish like I could like hang out with them. So like sometimes I would be like, hey, to my parents, I'm like, hey, so my (laughs) friends are hanging out and they said, it's okay if I'm late, can I go? And sometimes they were like, okay, sure. You have like a little bit of time. So that was great. My parents are very like, I want to say very lenient, but lenient if I kind of persuade them. (laughs) So I would always like try to persuade them into like, I don't know, going to like, I don't know, a party or just hanging out. I totally forgot what the question was, but did I answer it? I don't know. Uh, It was talking about how you process it mentally and you kind of already explained it. uh, The way that you view competition and the way that you view how practice brought you closer and closer to your goals. That's so cool. And like to realize that so early on is such like, you don't really hear about that that much. Usually it's something that you learn later on in your uh in college or even in real life where you're like okay now i need to start focusing on what i need to do to get to my goals but you started doing that from since you were extremely young which is amazing um from when you were young when was your first uh state level competition okay and how was that experience sorry i had to add that on there that's okay okay my first state competition i think Okay, I don't know if I was six years old or seven years old, but it was in 2007. And um, I don't remember how I did, but I'm pretty sure because I was the only girl like my age in the level that I won first place. Don't don't count me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was that. And like as a six, seven year old, like first grader, and I go to all these competitions and I'm usually like first place kind of because no one's there, but (laughs) I just ingrained in my mind that I'm the best (laughs) as a child. And I was like, I'm six years old. I'm winning all these competitions, but no one is there, but I'm winning all these competitions. I'm going to make the Olympics. I just straight up thought I was like, oh, the best in like the whole world because I keep winning, which is pretty bad. (laughs) But I think that like started to build my confidence from that level as a kid to like keep striving for more. Yeah. That's good though. The fact that like from seven, you were like, dude, I'm winning all of these things, all of these competitions, like the Olympics is where I'm headed. Yeah. I was like, oh, next up Olympics. I'm, I'm number one. Well, next stop from seven years old, next stop yeah. is Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I was very, it was also because um, there weren't as many girls like around me, especially in the state, because rhythmic gymnastics isn't as popular as artistic, mm-hmm. definitely. And at the time, it was very, very minor. 
right now there's a little bit more girls coming up into rhythmic gymnastics but during my generation there was like barely any people <laughs> so that was like kind of an advantage for me but even so you still dominated uh georgia state level competitions now after states you're stepping into national and international level competition what was that like for you and how was it to compete on those levels that's a great question so after state and going into nationals you have all these amazing talented girls from the whole nation in america and well, going off from when I was younger, because I thought I was the very best, I went to nationals and found out I'm not the very best. <laughs> and <laughs> it was very interesting for me, I think, as a little kid, because I had all this, this whole ego that I was like, oh, my God, I'm the best, you know, kind of feeling into, oh, like, I need to, like, work harder. I need to, like, eat, like, do more because these girls are, like, way, like, above my level. And I was, like, in awe. Um, and also there's different levels for gymnastics. So you see like the older girls as well. And I'm like, ooh, I want to be like that kind of thing. Started happening. And then as I got older, uh, I'd go to nationals every year. And mainly my um, competitors, my, what's the word? What's the word? Not the competitor. You're like rival there we go oh yes <laughs> your rivals are your friends because you've been with like you've seen each other every nationals like for the past I don't know years and like it's always like different rankings among us but then at some point um some people just start winning every single nationals and start seeing that and it's like all your friends as well but I think personally for me as I got older I didn't really think too much of beating one person or the other because it would get to me mentally and like competition that I'd like, I had a, I had a few like times when I like would freak out. Like I used to never be nervous, but I started to like freak out in my head. I was like, oh my God, everyone's watching. What if I do bad? And like that kind of thoughts just, you know, tumbles you down. But so I started to like rearrange my brain into thinking of like, more like why I started. And it was because I always had fun with rhythmic gymnastics. Like I did it. It wasn't like something that I had to do. It was like, I want to do it. So I started to think of just having fun at competition, enjoying like my routines and like just showing the best that I can and not really comparing myself with people or like my scores because that would always, always mentally drain me. <laughs> so yeah, that was like one thing that started happening as I became like a high schooler and then international level is again, now you have more amazing girls from other countries and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so my first time, I think I was very excited and I would, in the warm-up carpet, I would just like look around because you see all these different faces. All the time in national, it's all my friends, but this time it was like everyone I don't know or some like famous like gymnast. And I'm just like, oh my God. But that kind of led me to not focus on myself because I was like in awe of what's happening around me. So my first like international competition was a whole mess, but I enjoyed it so much. I did, um, I had one good routine, but the other routines were a mess, but I had a great time. I was like, oh my God, this is such a new like experience for me. And then after that, I kind of got used to it, 
but I would still always be in awe <laughs> because one, either there's like a famous gymnast that I really like, or like two, it's just like a different scenario, different languages. It's just all like so new to me. So I feel like I never got the hang of just going to international competitions since I didn't go to as much as my other friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but international competitions are always amazing to go to. But that's like one of the stuff where back at nationals where I had to think of not caring too much about my score. I also had to kind of implement that into international competitions because there's no use in comparing yourself to the other gymnasts because everyone's different. Yeah, competition at the end of the day is within yourself. If yes. you can't do better you're than competing yeah, against exactly. yourself. <laughs> if you're not competing against yourself, I mean, you should focus on yourself first, regardless of yes. what other people are doing. And when you get overwhelmed and, you know, start looking at how other people are doing and your scores and you're not comparing yourself to who you were prior or in the, at the last competition, that's when you're still, when you'll start going down that spiral. And I think for everyone listening, you should go back and just listen to that section again, um, because Elena goes through a really good point of how she took mental uh, mental strain and stress from competitions and turned it into and asked herself the right questions to bring it back to what she first felt when she got into gymnastics, which is having fun. And I think that we often forget that why we get into something, whether it's business, whether it's music, whether it's gymnastics, art. Whatever it is, we get caught up in what uh, we get caught up in our lives and we forget why we started. And I think it's always a good idea to take a step back and remember the first time you created art or the first time you sang or created music or competed or did rhythmic gymnastics in your case or started your business. You know, how did that make you feel? So, yeah, I would really recommend asking yourself that question, especially if you're feeling stress. Uh, especially during this time. Yeah, I think it's great to look back at like where you started and now because like between each year, you kind of forget that, oh my God, I like, let's say for gymnastics, I started with a cartwheel and now I can like throw things and do a bunch of spins and catch it. Like six-year-old me would be super proud of me right now. <laughs> kind of thing. So it's nice to go back and reflect and kind of be like, oh wait, I would be so proud of myself right now, 10 years ago. <laughs> or five years ago, or even a year ago. So also <laughs> with mental, like I like personally, we had for national team, we had a mental therapist. So I had to like go full on Zoom call with her. And I was like talking about what I, I was struggling with. And she was like the one that definitely taught me all these. Oh, look back, you, you're, you're a legend. She was like, you're a legend, Elena. You've been doing so many things. I'm like, oh my God, I am. So it's really good to like, if you need to like, definitely go see a mental therapist or anyone to reach out. I always encourage that because it's helped a lot for me as a gymnast and even like just as a person we all have a lot of struggles mentally and it's totally fine it's it's what everybody goes through so don't be scared to reach out absolutely and I think that you know your feeling when you enter international competitions and you're like oh my god all these amazing gym gymnasts from all across the, the world I have a feeling that a lot of them are looking at you in the same way so I mean, you That's could always, you could always have that too. I didn't think of that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with your social media presence and your content and how much of an impact you've made in not only sort of API, 
but also mental health. Um, so I think there's a lot more than just gymnastics that people will look up to you for. And so that would definitely carry through onto international, national and international stages as well. But I wanted to get into a little bit more about the mental and the resets, because while a competition as a whole, you know, you do, you do not as well as you think, or not as well as you want, you know, you can mentally reset from that. But how do you mentally reset from a mess up during the routine? Because that is on the spot. You have a minute and a half to get your entire routine done. You mess up one, you know, it takes away five, 10 seconds, potentially. How do you mentally reset from that sort of mistake and not so much so the entirety of the competition? Great question, because I had to talk to my mental therapist about this too. <laughs> but um, so I used to like be okay when I dropped. When I dropped, I would be like, okay, I dropped, but whatever, like kind of ignore it and just continue moving on with like my whole routine. But at some point back to like when I got super nervous and I like, freaked out all the time, I would uh, like, I would drop and I'm like, oh no. The one thing is, I'll go back. I started judging when I was 16 years old. So now I have all these mental notes of, oh my God, if I drop this, this is how many tenths are gone. Oh my God, I need to like recover. Oh my God, I saw so many thoughts, but then I, I learned to just do what I did prior to that before I started judging is where I just ignored it. Like that didn't happen. Nothing happened. I'm just gonna, like I toss, I drop, okay, whatever. I'm still gonna move on. I had to kind of reset my brain into thinking that it just didn't happen and then move on. So that's how I like did that with drops in between um, my routine or like during my routine. And then afterwards I was told to let it all out. So after a routine, I'd be upset, of course, that I dropped, but I, I had to talk it out with my coach slash my mom, be like, what was good? Okay, I did this great. I did this great. Okay, what went wrong? Okay, this went wrong. Okay, well, we're going to work on that in our next practice. So we're going to forget about this whole routine. We're going to like start afresh. We're going to start fresh into a new routine. So since we have like four routines, like let's say I did two routines and one of them I dropped then I just forget each routine after I finish them because the next routine is a new one and it doesn't matter if I dropped or not. So it's like just that mental hurdle that I had to like kind of rearrange into my brain. I think that's such a great practice though. The, the way you rearrange <laughs> all that stuff in your brain. Like, <laughs> I mean, like it honestly, like you still have that little hint in your head that's like, oh, you dropped it. They kind of have to just flush that away and like think of new thoughts. So I think of like my next routine. Oh, what do I need to focus on my next routine rather than what happened in the past? Because you can't really change the past. You can only change the next few minutes. So might as well do the best in your next few minutes. <laughs> That's super good. I was actually going to ask you, but uh, kind of how you did it, but you just went through that um, mental flush. Think mental about flush. next thoughts passes already it already happened you can reflect on it a little bit later after the fact of your competition yeah um, and one big thing is that like I would always kind of forget is that it's not that big of a deal like it's not like you're dying right now so I'm not dying it's fine I dropped a thing and what doesn't mean like I I'm gonna die in two seconds like just keep going <laughs> 
So definitely mental reset, flush it out, look to the future. I mean, those routines are only a minute and 30 seconds long. You don't really have that much time. So it's like a really fast mental, re- yeah. uh, mental flush, mental reset, which is, it's crazy, but it comes with practice too. Yeah. It's really hard to do. And I had to go through several competitions before I could like kind of get that feeling. Yeah. And you were going to and competing at all of these different levels of competition as you were growing up while you were still in school, doing homework, taking tests, um, and maintaining good grades. So take me through kind of a week of practice for you as you're growing up. And has that changed throughout the years, especially as you're going through, you know, uh, from middle elementary school to middle school to high school to even now college? It has definitely changed because um, in elementary school, I was at another gym and I was also still very young. So I think it was like four times a week for like two hours. And then Saturdays, um, it would be like maybe like six hours, just like playing around and also like lunchtime fit in. Then middle school, I changed clubs. Um, I got out of that team. And then we started working with my mom. So we had our own team oh. called Rhythmic Brains because we have to use our brains. <sighs> my dad made this name up, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was always like, why? <laughs> my friends are like zombie brains, whatever. But yeah, during middle school, it was a little bit different in that I had like more time with me and my mom. So it was still like around four or five times a week, maybe two to three hours. And then high school, High school, kind of the same thing. I think it was also one, two, three, yeah, five times a week, about three hours. And then college was really weird um, because one, I have classes. I go to Georgia Tech. So I came back and forth with my dad. We carpool. And then I would sometimes practice at the school gym. So that was like maybe once or twice a week at my school gym for like two hours. And then like back at home, we have another gym near our house, which I would go to like three times a week for like two to three hours. So like I didn't practice as much in college, but yeah, did that, I don't know if that makes sense. But for me, for rhythmic gymnasts, I think I practice the very least because usually girls in rhythmic gymnastics, they practice like maybe like six days a week for four hours, which is an insane amount, definitely. And I, I had to do both gymnastics and school at a high level, let's per se, because my parents are very strict with my studies as well as gymnastics. So I had to make time for my studies as well as do gymnastics for a minimum amount of time and just like focus rather than like dilly dally for four hours I had to like focus my time within like two hours for practice and focusing is powerful too if you focus and do work you can get a lot done within four hours two hours of focused work as opposed to eight hours of dilly dally work um (laughs) yeah but what were what were some of the struggles other than time of doing gymnastics competing in rhythmic gymnastics on top of school, on top of content creation, because I know you put out content for TikTok, yeah. Instagram, YouTube, and that's not easy. Content creation is not easy at all. So what are some struggles and how have you been able to manage them? So 
one thing, well, before I started content creation, I was just doing like in high school, let's say I had like a bunch of AP classes and also like uh, gymnastics competitions and whatnot. Um, one struggle was that I had competitions like sometimes during like school days or I'd have national team camps during school days and I had to like keep on communicating with my teachers and I'm just like, yo, can you send me like all the stuff? And I had to like make up tests and all that. So I would like, as a kid, time management was really important for me because of all the stuff I had to do. So literally like if I have five minutes, I'll work on homework. I don't know if this is appropriate, but in the bathroom I'd work. <laughs> Like I'll be in the bathroom and work. I go number two and work. I'd be in the okay. The good thing is I don't get like um nauseous. I don't know if you can put that in. I don't I, okay, I can so, put that in. <laughs> I mean, if if you want it in, it's going in. Because that's care. that's your secret. I don't care. It's my secret. Yeah. Secret technique. Yeah. And I also don't get nauseous, thankfully. So like in the car or in the bus ride when I was younger, I just do homework. Or if there was like homeroom or like if like the teacher like finished class early, I'd finish my stuff. During lunch, I do my homework. <laughs> like any like, I like to multitask, which I heard isn't as good, but it helped me like squeeze in my times and finish all my homework or studying before I had to do my practice. So I think as I got older, I was able to like multitask really efficiently and just like, you know, do all that. I don't know how, <laughs> but I did that. And then what else did I do? That's pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I had that. And then now with COVID and when I started content, the good thing was that I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> so <true. laughs> content, yeah, content creation and gymnastics practice kind of went hand in hand. Like I would, either do some zoom classes at home and then after I finished that I have like a little bit of time so I was like oh I make some content or I had a whole bunch of time that day so I'd make content while like practicing some skills in my routine so that go also goes back to my multitaskingness, if that's even a word but yeah I think the way that you describe how you're multitasking is actually very different from the normal perception of what multitasking is, which is, you know, doing multiple tasks at the same time and you're splitting focus between them. What you're, what you're doing is actually shifting your focus between the tasks that you're getting done. So doing your homework, focusing on your homework, once homework's done, switching focus over to gymnastics and content creation and focusing on that. Um, and another point I wanted to touch on really quickly was related to your <laughs> your life hack of getting extra work done and being productive on the toilet, which is doing two tasks at a time is possible and it can help you with your productivity as long, so as long as the other task is something that doesn't necessarily require much brain power, much concentration so that your brain can focus on what needs to get done for your homework or your work. And We've been talking a lot about how you've been balancing uh, gymnastics and school, but you also have content creation and you also do Twitch more, uh, and that's a more recent thing. So how do you, what's the process behind your content creation and how you started 
And also, where does Twitch come into play? I'm going to go into like two different things. So one with like content creation and just like kind of the creative creativity aspect. Um, I think personally, when I was younger, my parents would just put on a random music, like all day random music during the weekends. And I start dancing, like my body just moves by itself. So I just like make up new routines at home. So I feel like that side of like how I just like started that since I was like, I don't know, maybe like four years old of just like random music popping up and me just like doing my thing. Um, just like help me with like, I guess, creativity side. And I also help choreograph like the little kids routines at my club. And I also like kind of fix my routines up. As I got older, I would like kind of make my dance steps or like create new things in my routine so that aspect I think all went pretty well with content creation because like I'd see something I'd be like oh I have an idea and I'll just do it and when I started doing TikTok lives and Instagram lives and I not hated, but I got really annoyed with all the, oh, Elena, do a cartwheel. Oh, Elena, do something flexible. Like, of course, that's my content. So it makes sense. But I, I felt like it was more of me being like a, like a clown at a circus or something, or like, I don't know, an animal or a monkey. I don't know where they're like, go do this, do this, do this. And like, it was great for fans. Like I got to interact with my fans, but one, I didn't want to keep on like doing cartwheels the whole time and then I was like kind of tired like I just wanted to like sit down and talk but everyone wants to watch cartwheels <laughs> so I was like go watch the videos but for <laughs> Twitch the good thing was that I didn't I could just play games I could do like what I wanted to do and I could still interact with fans they can still ask for cartwheels if they redeem channel points <laughs> but it was like a place where I could just talk, like this podcast per se, where I can just talk about my day, how I've been doing without the need of doing cartwheels. <laughs> so it's like a little escape from gymnastics because yes, gymnastics is my life, but I also want to do other things other than that. And I, once the pandemic started, I recently got into like gaming. And when I was younger, of course, with like the game of life yeah (laughs) game of life I liked games a lot but I didn't really play video games and I was like oh it's like a waste of time for me probably because I have stuff to do but then because of the pandemic I was like oh let me try things out and like during the pandemic I started trying new things to like figure out like oh what I'm like interested in other than gymnastics and I found out I really like gaming even though I die every 10 seconds (laughs) I watch your streams. I know. <laughs> it's it's a bunch of screaming. I'm so sorry. I'm just not used to it. Stream counter is really high most, yeah, <laughs> most, most streams. But this is such a great segue into my next question, which is what are you currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Okay. Great question because I also asked myself the same question. Um, so I'm actually graduating with a business major concentrating in marketing this year in May, which I'm so excited about. I'm like, finally, no school. <laughs> yeah, freedom. But um, yeah, um, right now this year, I'm, I actually haven't said this anywhere. So you get the special announcement, I guess. It's coming but, out on your birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
um tell me happy birthday guys anyways <laughs> um <laughs> So the thing is for this year, I'm actually not actively competing um, competitively because I was actually in, after the Olympics, it was since the Olympics was supposed to be in 2020, I was planning to like retire if I make it or not because for rhythmic gymnastics, uh, we usually end or retire at a very young age and usually like high school or before college because of school. But because I enjoy it so much, I kept going. And then I was like, okay, when I was like 16, I was like, okay, I'm going to end in 16. But then I did it. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire when I get to college. I did it. And then I was like, 2020, I'm going to retire. But then COVID happened. So it was 2021. But so the 2021 nationals, which was like the Olympic qualifications for rhythmic gymnastics, I actually did terrible, like really bad. Like, oh my God, what happened, Elena? Kind of stuff. But I think that was because one, I was not used to going back to competition and two, uh, probably not enough practices at the gym because during COVID I wasn't able to go to the gym. So after that, I kind of kind of thought to myself, oh, what should I do? <laughs> and um, right now we have a lot of young rhythmic gymnasts that are getting really good and obviously as like the generation gets better the older people start kind of dying off so I kind of felt that and I was like hmm, what can I do so I still enjoyed creating content online and spreading awareness to my sport and just like showing my sport and stuff so I kind of took a little mini break like the past semester and then I mean if I take a break in the fall that that means like I don't have time to make a routine or practice routine for the next year so right now I'm on pause but like for like elite level com competition competing but I'm also thinking of going back into it next year with this separate program though it's not like for like the elite level it's actually called excel which is for Usually it's for the younger kids or people that, that don't have time to practice as much. And I've talked to a lot of like retired rhythmic gymnasts and some of my friends. And one, one thing I found out is they didn't really want to retire because they really love gymnastics. But two, the reason is because of the same reason that I had where the younger girls would, you know, keep doing better. And third reason when we were older, we don't have as much time as we did when we were younger. So that means like not as great of like a result. So I found out all these different things and they still want to perform obviously because they love gymnastics. So I was like, hmm, what can I do? So I was, I'm thinking of like starting something next year where the older girls or people that don't have as much time to do gymnastics or like new girls, like I know some 20 year olds want to start rhythmic gymnastics. And just like do start like a new kind of thing where like people can go into Excel because right now Excel is known to be like, oh, the slackers to put it negatively, but it's not, it's actually like, I think it's a good thing where people can compete against themselves rather than like competing against scores because it's, the score is kind of different for that stuff. And I just think it's like a good opportunity for people that still want to compete, who still want to perform to be able to do it without like the need of going to elite competitions because that's the only option they have so I kind of want to change the aspect of excel 
and kind of also give the younger girls that are in Excel like a little bit more of like uh what's the word motivation and inspiration to like oh even if I'm in Excel I can like become a great performer kind of stuff that's what I'm thinking on the gymnastics side like performance wise and then I am also like a coach right now for one of my teammates and then I also do judging which I'm I told you before we started, but studying for right now, so I can like continue to be in the space of rhythmic gymnastics. And then I have so many things lined up. Sorry, this is gonna take long. Keep, keep them, keep them coming. <laughs> but um, my other side is continuing like content creation, obviously, because I really enjoy it for one, and I like, I like to still like move around and show gymnastics and spread awareness to that, and then. Uh, I also need to get into YouTube. Oh my God. I keep doing shorts and I'm like, I want to do long form, but I can't edit. So that's after graduation when I have time. And then I have another one. Okay. This is my last one. Oh, um, if you have boards then just walk me, walk us through so every many. single one. <laughs> so many. Um, oh, merch is coming out. <laughs> and then, um, well, that wasn't my last one. And then, um, <laughs> so another thing I was really interested in going into a stunts because I love action movies and I just think it would be super cool. And I don't know, utilize stuff that I can do. But one of my friends, Yoshi Sudarso, if you know, he was a Power Ranger and he also does like stunts. And I was like, hey, yo, I want to learn stunts too. I want to be like a stunt actress. And, and then like, he kind of recommended I don't because a lot of like you know you do stunts and then like you sometimes hurt your body and then whatnot which makes sense but yeah so he was like you should like go into more acting instead so I'm planning to like go through that route after graduation to just try it out I'm like as I said I'm like really open to trying new things and see what works and what doesn't work for me so like after graduation, it's going to be me trying a bunch of different things and seeing what works. I love yeah. the ambition. I love it. And I love how you've taken your background in gymnastics and kind of put them in each sort of each goal that you kind of want to try to pursue, which is awesome. Um, yeah. One thing with like rhythmic gymnastics also that I like to highlight is like it's like really different from other sports, let's say like golf or the NBA, where you can actually earn money. You know, it's a whole career. Like you can do golf all your life. You're fine. For rhythmic, one, we don't get paid. Two, um, like all, all competitions, it's like money out of my parents' pockets. So I kind of felt bad as a kid, just like, oh like they're very supportive but like there's nothing like in return but now that like I'm able to actually do something with rhythmic gymnastics and like I learned that actually like doing social media doing content actually helps you know pay the bills um, <laughs> um it's been like really rewarding and I kind of also want to relay that towards other rhythmic gymnasts or other people in like minor sports where they the only like career they have after gymnastics right now is like being a coach or a judge unless they go through other schools or whatnot and I think that there should be more opportunities for them because they've spent like 10-15 years all their life working on this amazing 
beautiful sport but then after that is like the other careers aren't feasible like you can't live just on that so I just like to like highlight that there's always a segue through like other ways and I I hope if rhythmic gymnasts are listening <laughs> um like you guys are amazing you have so many cool talents you guys have so many cool skills and like just like showing that to the internet if you want to obviously can like go great ways and bring you new opportunities it definitely has for me um, and it definitely doesn't have to be just on like the internet. It's always like great to do like, I don't know, when I was younger, I also wanted to do the circus. So if you're interested in that side, like kind of like use your talents as well as you grow older for the younger kiddos. And then you have something to look forward to after Olympics, if that's your goal. Probably that's your goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good message. But I also didn't realize that you're rhythmic gymnastics career or an average rhythmic gymnastics career and so early it does compared to all these other like sports like I know yeah. like in baseball you can play like really old like some 40 year old guys are like you know making they're, bank they're still going and I'm just like very jealous of that I was like wow but for rhythmic gymnastics and I guess artistic or anything like that strains like flexibility I guess like your body just starts deteriorating <laughs> you're so young <laughs> I know we're still young but because of all the repetitive like things all throughout the years I'm actually one of like the healthier ones like I was taught to like do square splits which is like a split where your like hip bones are like straight instead of going diagonal and like it just like helped my back so much and I also don't practice as much as the other girls so I was able to like be injury free for most of my career which is great so square splits for the gymnast if you're listening <laughs> very <laughs> very good <laughs> that was such great advice for all rhythmic gymnasts out there especially those who are just getting into the sport and even for those of us who are just trying to improve our overall flexibility square splits are the way to go but before we wrap up today what closing message would you like to leave for those listening to this episode Okay, one thing. Okay, one motto is live your life to the fullest and just live every day like you're going to die tomorrow so you don't feel like you have any regrets. Like, I'm okay with dying tomorrow because I've done the best that I can, like, throughout every day and just living life, bro. And if something happens, it happens, you know, like competition, forget it and move on. <laughs> because if you're dwelling on the past then it's going to affect your future so only think of positive thoughts and just keep moving forward I love that message and I agree with it a hundred percent because that's exactly how I live my life as well I think more people need to live life in this way where they're leaving it all on the table and they're giving it their all every single day in order to live a life of no regret because for me personally I don't want to look back on my life 30, 40 years from now and think about all the possibilities that could have been my life if I had just done something, you know, in this present day. And I, I never want to be in that situation where I look back and I'm like, ah, I could have maybe had this if I had just worked harder or if I had just tried this thing out. You know, I don't want any, any of, the, of those thoughts to happen down the line. And so that's why in the present day, I'm always living in the present 
I'm making sure that I'm going as hard as I can every single day for all the goals and everything that I want to achieve in life. And another thing is that, you know, shit happens sometimes. Sometimes life just does not go your way. Life is not fair in general. Um, And so one really quick tip or trick to bring yourself back to a more positive mindset, a more positive mental state is to use gratitude because you cannot be grateful and angry at the same time. You can use gratitude and gratitude is something that you can practice, uh, but you can use gratitude in order to bring yourself back from a negative state of frustrated state and angry state um, just by understanding how to really use and how to really truly be grateful for something. And to note, when I'm talking about being grateful for something, I'm not necessarily talking about being grateful for your friends, your family, your close ones. That's all great. But I'm talking about the things that we take for granted on a day-to-day basis. So in the wintertime, when it's freezing outside, the heat that you have is not something that majority of the world has. The AC or the fan units that you have during the summertime when it's blazing hot outside is not what the majority of the world has access to. The water that comes out of your sink for you to brush your teeth, the clean water that comes out of your shower head for you to cleanse yourself. Once you start to understand just how many things we take for granted every single day, because we're, it's so normalized in our day-to-day lives, your life will start to change and become more positive because you're, you'll start to appreciate more of the little things in life, as cheesy as that sounds. And at the same time, the more time you spend appreciating, the more time you spend being grateful for things, the less time you can spend being angry or being frustrated or being stressed because those two do not go hand in hand. And again, that was such an amazing closing message. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we officially end today's episode, Elena, where can we find you? What are your socials? What do we type into the search bars to find you on all the different platforms that you're on? Yeah, so almost every platform except for Instagram is just Elena Shinohara, uh, my name, you know, and then on Instagram, someone took that. So it's Elena underscore Shinohara. Make sure you see that check mark and then that's me. And yeah, I'm on YouTube. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch. I think that's all of them. Oh my God, I don't know. (laughs) That's already a lot. But for for all of you guys who are listening, make sure and make sure you go and follow Elena on all of her accounts. Um, Make sure to go and wish her a happy birthday if you're listening to this podcast on on the day of its release, (laughs) April 6th. Uh, if you're listening to it after, you can still go and wish her a happy birthday, but it just add belated after happy. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Elena, thank you so much for being on the show. That's all yeah, we have you. time for today. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes in it.